Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode 224, The League Leading Lions. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Ashley Soden, Anthony Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, boys? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, doing good, cheers. Of course, it is Victory Monday, once again for the Lions. I mean, it. it I, I, boys, I still can't get used to this feeling, it it doesn't make sense, but here we are, and against a tough opponent, it feels all the sweeter. And with all the undefeated teams this weekend having lost, the Lions are in joint first position in the NFL. And I think that must be the first time since we started 5-0, and which was 2011 or 2014. Can't remember which. 2011. I think we lost... Week two in 2014. Yeah, yes. I, I made that mistake before with 2014, didn't I? There we go. So, unbelievable stuff. Anyway, let's crack on with our preamble before we look at the Lions at the Bucks review. Our Discord channel was a hotbed of activity yesterday. You need to come and join us there. The link is going in the live chat of YouTube and Twitch. Quite a few people joined us over the game as well yesterday, and it was really great to have all the newcomers there so come and join them too in the most friendly of lions communities uh college football podcast and and just talk about college this weekend because it was absolutely mad and you smashed the pick watch for the first time in yeah Ever. you smashed the pick watch <laughs> that's nice um yeah yeah i'll be on the uh, be on thursday this week but yeah a lot, lot a lot of good stuff went on over the weekend i've got about like 20 games that i'm trying to figure out in which order i'm going to mention them and talk about so yeah come come check it out Caleb williams presumed first overall pick did not have a good day as far as i'm aware so i mean if you're interested in the draft and it's in detroit you gotta go and watch the boys go and support yeah. them on thursday and that's when the preview show will be as well. So you can go back to back for Royal Alliance on Thursday evening or Thursday afternoon in the States. Uh, please don't forget to like the show, sub to the podcast, all that good stuff. You know what to do. And add Lions Nation Unite on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Lions Nation Unite. Herman Wall's projects bring the best in Lions content creators all together. Uh, there's a feedback form down below on YouTube. There's also a tip jar as well as being Twitch affiliated and YouTube monetized. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, then please don't hang back. We 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 appreciate any and all stuff like that. And of course, our merch store has opened um, due to popular demand. Um, and the stuff's really good. It's actually really nice. You can see that Ant is our model at the moment, sporting the hoodie. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, there we go. If, you, if you're not watching on YouTube or Twitch, you're, you're missing out on something beautiful there. Um, but yeah, it's it's really nice stuff and it's fairly affordably priced and there's good shipping rates. So if you want to have some new clothes and you don't mind wrapping the show, go and check it out. 
links in the live chat now. And if you're on the audio pod, you can go back and have a look at the live chat on YouTube if you are interested in those links. Right, bit of news to start off with. And the cornerback Khalil Dorsey was activated for yesterday's game. And Dan Skipper, the let's call him versatile offensive lineman, uh, was signed to the 53-man roster. And in the game, running back David Montgomery suffered a rib injury after landing on the ball flush. And he may be out for a little while, in quotes. We don't know how long the little while is going to be. That's to be confirmed. We should be getting some more information about that today, but we just haven't had it yet, unfortunately. So let's we're all holding our breath for, for the record-breaking running back one that we have. Anyway, we move on to the game, and the Lions beat the Buccaneers in their own backyard. But it was a Lions home game, apparently, given the number of people that were there. 20-6, to six, and uh, the Lions went out to a 10-3 lead. And then won the second half 10 to 3 as well. It was a, a very consistent performance by the Lions. And Jared Goff, well, let me read these figures to you 30 of 44 for 353 and two touchdowns versus Baker Mayfield's 19 of 37 for 206 and an interception. Rushing the ball, neither team did particularly well in this department. Detroit ran for a total of 40 yards on 22 plays. Tampa Bay went 46 on 16. Craig Reynolds led the Lions 15 yards on 10 carries. And Rashad White, 7 carries for 26 yards. Receiving the ball was obviously a bit better for both teams, although significantly better on one side. Aaron Rouse Brown, 12 catches on 15 targets for 124 yards and a touchdown. And Jameson Williams, what a play that was. We'll talk about that in a minute. Two catches on three targets, 53 yards and a touchdown. For Tampa, they were led by Chris Godwin, predictably six catches on seven targets for 77 yards. And Mike Evans, four receptions on 10 targets for 49 yards. Not a good day for Mike Evans. Montgomery did have time to fumble the ball, although he did recover it himself. And defensively, the Lions were led by Anzalone in tackles with nine. He also had himself a tackle for a loss, as did Jerry Jacobs. And Julian Aquara had himself a sack. Tampa Bay, where they were led by Levante David with 12 tackles. He also had himself a sack and a tackle for a loss. There were also sacks for Kalijah Kansi and Joe Trinka and a tackle for a loss by Vita Vare. There was an interception, which was made by Will Harris, of all people. And then in the kicking game, Riley Patterson did miss a field goal. Unfortunately, he went two of three and two and two on extra points. And Chase McLaughlin hit his two field goals. Jack Fox went four kicks for 180 and a bit of a return to form for him. But Jake Kamada had himself a day, six punts for 325, including a long of 66. Boys, some high-level takes from a particularly comfortable and entertaining game. And what did you make of it uh, from someone who wasn't on the show yesterday? It went exactly how I thought it would. They're, they're not that great a team. And I said this last week, they played three bad teams and one good team and the one good team bodied them. And we're a good team and we bodied them as well. It took some time, but you can see where this Tampa team has won its games. It's very physical. It's very aggressive. It gets after you. It brings pressure. And if you haven't got the talent to withstand that, then you're going to be in bother against them. But we were always the better side in this. 
It just took a little bit of time for the offense to get going, which we've seen in games before. And I mean, they were very good on defense. So, you know, you had to wait for the adjustments to come in. We brought JMO into the game, start hitting them deep, start trapping them a bit. And, you know, after that, it was one way traffic because they're just not that good. And we should be beating teams like that. And I was really impressed like all over with this side. The defense, again, has just been the transformation since the Seahawks game has been one of the greatest of like any unit on any team I can think of in such a short space of time. It's all coming together, all three phases. It just looks clean. It looks clear. I know we didn't get high in the sacks column, but we absolutely decimated the run game. They insulted us by trying to run down the middle all the time. They're not that good at running the ball. They had no success. They put themselves in bad situations and our coverage was really good. The pressure was good. And we just absolutely stymied them, you know, all helped by special teams, which was pinning them deep, which was making plays. And then the offense came to life. It started using its weapons. And sometimes when the run game doesn't work, what does that mean? They're stacking the box against you a little bit. And, and they were with us. They've, they've got those linebackers, especially Levante David, who was a giant pain in the arse all day. But when they're stacking the box, what does that mean? It means the backfield is vulnerable. It means the secondary is vulnerable. And that's where Jamison Williams comes into this offense. That's what makes it so dangerous when they're loading the box, going to give Jamo chances. And Jamo sure as hell took his chances in that one. And then... When you start doing that, you notice the box empties a little bit. They start putting a bit more protection back there. Here too, you can start running the ball a bit more. You can start opening up the play action a bit more. Um, it was a complete performance, and it was a very impressive one on the road. Um, because I say, they threw the kitchen sink at us, and for us to be very calm, very collected, lose, lose the running back one, and still withstand it all, and then hit back even harder, uh, was very impressive. So I love pretty much every aspect of this and you know like you said it was another game where it just sort of petered out almost like for the last two years every game you nearly have a heart attack at the end of every game given how it goes this year like my heart is like are you even watching NFL I mean what what's going on it's it's just that calm so I love it we're dominating teams we're shutting them out and we're giving them no route back in and that's all we can ask for how about you Ash yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, we were watching it. There were a few bits that were a bit nervy, especially with that first drive out the half, uh, then where they were hitting a steep for the first couple of plays. I was a bit like, oh, God, is this the third quarter coming to back to bikes again? But we managed to hold them to a field goal. And then from there, it was just locked down, like locked down completely on their offense. They still got a few big plays in us. But when it came to the sort of yellow zone between the 20, like R20 and the like, the 50, we just absolutely stopped their offense dead in its tracks and they had to punt or like to uh, try and go through it and forth down and not get it. It was, uh, as I said yesterday, perhaps not the most complete off uh, overall game because we didn't have that run game. But when we needed the other sides of the ball to step up in terms of the defense in the past game to minimize the impact of not having that run game, they did it. And it was so really good to see because that's what we're going to need later in the year where teams in the especially in the playoffs where they might try and stop one form of the part of our game the other part we know they know now the other part can sort of surge up and pick up the slack that's been taken that's been dropped by that sort of minimized side so it was really good to see yeah the lions have held all of their opponents this season to under 100 rushing yards 
The last time the Lions did this in the first six games of the season was 1932. So no, well, I'll say no one alive. That's maybe not entirely true, but no one alive who was cognizant of what was happening has ever seen the Lions start this well as a rushing defense, which is just unfathomable given where they came from. I mean, we... We came from last season into a sort of like... Last season, they managed to stop the majority of people running on them. It was a little bit of a problem against isolated teams. They got gashed in some games, especially against Carolina. But for the most part, they kind of cleaned it up. It wasn't too bad. And they've carried on their best form from their best games into every game. And and it's all about what Dan has talked about ever since whenever. He's not looking for the highest highs on an individual basis. He's just looking to get a little bit better every day and they're there and it scares the hell out of me <laughs> i don't know what to do with the feeling of just watching this team going oh, i think we got it yeah i think we're good well put it this way it's it, it's refreshing for the opposition team's punter to be their best offensive player like we, we've yeah. enjoyed that for two years now um he he was the only guy in the offense who was any good was the punters so how the turntables, as as they say. <laughs> oh, it's one of my favourite quotes. Okay, right. So let's kick this off by starting at the beginning of the game. And the Bucks started on offence and Baker comes out with play action as he so often does to start the game. But Alex Anzalone, boys, had two pass breakups in that opening drive. And... It seems to me that Alex really makes those statement plays really early on. I don't know whether that's deliberate. I don't know how it can be deliberate, but it seems as though Thor himself is kind of gushing through his veins saying, make an impact and let him know you're there. I I don't know whether you guys have noticed that, but it seems to be that he's there right at the start of the game. Yeah, he's almost like the tone setter for our defence now. And kind of what we expect from the leadership of the plays, he sort of comes out, makes his early plays, gets everyone sort of fired up and then sort of takes the back seat, does his job while everyone else makes the big plays. So it's quite nice to see some our like veteran leading the linebacker room while we wait for Barnes, Campbell and Rodrigo to develop a bit more. It's very nice to see. Uh, yeah, the Lions then do take over after Anzalone has his way with the Buccaneers offense and Amon Ra has a screen for 11. Sam Laporta has a quick out for 19 on a third and seven. There's a big miscommunication at midfield. I think it was intended for Khalif, but Khalif went in, Goff went out. Bit of a shame. We end up punting from that position, even though we're around midfield, we don't go for it. It's a sort of situation where we might have decided to go for it in previous years, but I think it's a sort of situation where Campbell has kind of matured and he knows where we are as a team and he's adjusting to suit, to be to be frank. Uh, Tampa then take over and the very next play, so punted to the eight-yard line, Baker pumps and then throws. It's tipped by Bugs in the air and a fantastic reaction by Will Harris to come diving forward and get that ball. Um, only just getting his hands underneath it, securing it at the 15. And, you know, it was shown on the coverage, but what was missed was that Mike Evans was just striding on down deep. No one was anywhere near. And if Baker doesn't try to go over the middle, but goes over the top, the Lions are going to be down by six. Boys, it was a massive bust, but a fantastic play by Bugs to get his hand up there. And, you know, Will Harris does the rest. And 
I, I know that the rest of the game maybe didn't proceed quite as well for, for Will, but he's made some decisive plays in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I actually really like the aggression we showed with it. I mean, as I said on the preview last week, you take the run game away from them, then Baker's got to start making risky throws. And I know Mike Evans is open, but he's under pressure. He's in his end zone. He's got the pocket collapsing all around him, which creates the situation where that bad pass comes out and allows the D-line to knock it down. I mean, in other cases, sometimes if you've been a little bit more tame, that might get off. So... I actually was quite happy with it because, you know, Baker's not elite elite. So you put him under pressure, he's going to make mistakes. And he did during the day. So it's great from Bugs. Bugs has, it, it, it's been really good with him. He's shown a great attitude since he's come back and he's, he's really helped boost things up in there. And as you say, Will, it's good reactions that all the units are working together. You know, that's what you want, tip-ups, and you want someone behind you picking them off. And, you know, the aggressive nature of it is why Will was all the way up there. So again, I sort of I sort of enjoyed the way they went after him, and it was it sort of set the tone for the entire game. Just Baker had no time; he he got nothing. I know he missed a few throws, but overall, I thought it was I thought it was very very promising. Yeah, I agree. We just we almost took their playbook to them. They're one of the most blitz heavy teams in the league, and we were pressuring them. I know they got more sacks on the day, but we got more pressures and. Honestly, pressure, our pressures have more impact than their pressures and sacks. So, very good to see. All right. And then straight after that, a really interesting possession that I think we need to break down. So, the lines start on the Tampa Bay 15. Play action pass to Amaras and Brown in the flat for three. Monty takes the ball on a tackle for a loss of one. On third and eight, running back draw. Tackle for a loss of one. He actually fumbles the ball on that tackle, manages to recover it very fortunately, and the 30-yard field goal is good, and it's 3 nothing Detroit. Now, I have very mixed feelings live on this, and now I'm here and I've had another watch of it. I don't know what to make of it. We went super conservative, maybe trying to catch him out, and maybe... You know, we see the blitz coming, and if the draw works, he's going to get the first down, but I didn't like the ambition from it. And what what did you make of that drive from the 15? It wasn't exactly trying to put your, your foot on the throat of the opposition, but maybe it was tactful. I'm pretty sure if you go back through the tweets, I didn't like it either. Um, I, I was... I was confused by the selection of, of choices for the plays there. I think if you're going to throw it first up, you know, take a shot to the end zone, you know, really put them under a screen. It's just an easy way for them to get out, make a tackle and put yourself behind the chains. And then sort of in those situations, because you're thinking, oh, they're maybe going to have four downs. You're pretty much expecting a run play next. You know, they've passed it first time. It's not worth. They're going to run, see if they can get a few yards put it in third, you know, put it in like a really good third down territory and they're going to take some shots on you. And then you'll leave yourself open again. And it's just, we set off wrong. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was aggressive enough. I, I, I agree with you there. I think they, I think they messed it up. I can see why they did it. Trying to just, you know, push up a little bit, just gain a little bit, ground the clock down. But in, I, I'd like to have seen them be more aggressive there. Ash? It did reek a bit of, Darren Bevel offense, if you remember, if I harken back to those days, like 
you can remember the amount of times on like a third and nine we'd bring Swift on a draw, trying to catch teams out. Occasionally it would work, yeah, great, but five just because a play works five percent of the time doesn't mean you should run it every single time. I was disappointed having watched it, watched a bit of it. Now I'm very, was disappointed as well. I don't really understand what look they were seeing that made them think that was the right idea. I mean. Yes, maybe the, that play is called by Ben Johnson, but that doesn't mean you can't check out of it for something yeah. else unless there wasn't anything else called that you could even throw to the sticks. I don't know. But, you know, that, that short pass to Amaral St. Brown is exactly the sort of thing you want to throw against pressure. And so, like, that's actually kind of what I would have liked us to have done again on second down. Because on second down, yeah. you can see that they're expecting the runners. And rightly says, run there seems to be, like, the most obvious thing to do. So why not do a quick little throw that's basically an extension of the run game, but getting it outside of the pocket quickly to a, a wide receiver? Wide receiver screen, bubble, screen. bubble, yeah, screen, bubble screen, screen, anything like that would have been preferable to what they did, which was, for want of a better word for Ben Johnson, it was predictable. And I didn't like it. The third, the third down draw wasn't predictable, but they were bringing the house. And... Yeah. I mean, it made sure that we were getting points on the board. Part of me thinks that they thought the script for this game is it's going to be a gritty affair where points are going to matter. And we don't want to put the ball in the air and risk an interception when we can just take three, which is a really negative mindset that I don't associate with this team. But then when you have a look at it, and I said this, Ash, to you on the on the live stuff that we yeah. did yesterday, and I don't know whether Ant you recognise this early as well. We all talked in the in the the show on Saturday, the the preview, and we all kind of gave fairly high scores for this game that we thought it was going to be not not massive, but we thought it was going to be at least in the twenties for each team or or thereabouts. And it seemed very clear after a couple of drives to me and that this was going to hit the under big time that like it was just gritty and maybe points on the board matter massively yeah they they tried to insult us by running down the middle and i say that in a nice way in that we have seen much better teams try that against us and get nothing and their run game is no good but they were insistent on trying to run it between the tackles and running it through the box and you're like why why are you doing that? You've got some good pass catchers. Try and hit the edge. Try and spread the defense out a little bit. And because they were just running it down the gut all the time, it just played right into our hands. Like you say, with that interception, you know, with the hemmed in, they're, they're struggling to run. The, they can't run the ball out the end zone, so they're having to throw it out the end zone, and it leads to a pick. You know, it was it was just like that with them, and I was really surprised that they didn't try and get at least a little bit more creative with it um, but yeah, I was like you. I'm like, yeah, this this is probably going to be a low score because their defense was it, it played well. You've got to give them their juice. It played well. We just adjusted and ground them into a fine dust, and and that can happen to the best units on any day. But we adjusted and played well. So yeah, I, I agree. Look, from very early on, you could tell it was not going to be. But for me, it was because of a complete lack of creativity from them when it came to trying to play. so um, And then it puts us under no pressure. We can afford to be a little bit more methodical, a little bit more slow-moving, because we aren't chasing a big-ass points tally like they were. So, yeah, it was it was apparent early. 
I mean, it's pretty crazy to me that we got 350 yards passing and only got 20 points. Like, that's that's ridiculous. That's mad, yeah. It is pretty stupid. But hey, we killed Clock and, you know, the majority of our drives actually went for something. Anyway, uh, Tampa then go back to work three to nothing down. Big pressure on Baker. Jerry had an amazing tackle for a loss on a wide receiver screen. He beats Trey Palmer one-on-one to then get the tackle on Tompkins and just cleans them up. That was a that was my favourite play of the day, I think, potentially, apart from the JMO touchdown. But it's just that was big man football. That was that was that was nice. Um Hutch then had a massive hit on Baker going out of bounds as well. So third and twelve, Baker tries to escape. He's not getting the first down, but he wants two yards. And then Hutch hits him a yard in bounds and Tampa butt hurt, just going nuts on the sideline. It's like slide if you don't want to get hurt sorry but we're not going to go easy on you because you're a quarterback you're fair game mate i just i got I love angry that. i, got I, I angry love that. After that play. I, I loved it just the way hutch shoves him in there and just looks at the entire book sideline like what what you go do about it like it's just <laughs> it's just that sort of attitude he's gone you say yeah they're, they're calling for calls early they're at home or at least i think they were at home but a lot of, <laughs> lot of blue in the crowd I don't, I don't know whether it's, we relocated to Tampa, it's, but yeah, it's for, it was four um, south. Exactly, yeah, it's like our summer home away from Michigan. So, but yeah, they 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 were getting a little bit frisky early on, and you're like, that, but that's the thing, we got physical with them. I think they've been used to bullying lesser teams this year, like the Bears. I watched that game; they they bullied them, like the Vikings. They bullied them. Um, and when they've come up against the two teams, us and the Eagles, who hit back harder, they're like, oh, no, please don't hurt me. You know, they just get very, very precious. So they're, they're that sort of team. They ended up punting and a hold sets us back, unfortunately, to the 25 when it looked like we had good field position. Third down, but you know Alan Ra's going to be there for that with a nice in-breaking route. Third and two from the 49, and we decide to go slot fade to Sam Laporta. And, I mean, Levante David had himself a day. He had a fantastic pass breakup on that play. Wasn't his last really good play, too. And then maybe my favourite play of the game on the Tampa side of the ball, punt by the Lions. And it's a good punt. And it lands within the five and bounces forwards. But the returners sold it so well that they think it's going to be caught by him at, like, the 10. So they don't pursue it. And it goes in the end zone for the Lions' first touchback of the year, which is really... Unfortunate for Jack, but never mind. Uh, Tampa then come out and just kind of pulling it out from the Daryl Bevel playbook. Run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Hate it. Godwin, though, with a nice conversion on third and six versus soft coverage. Just don't know what we're doing there, given someone like him just an easy completion. Uh, but then they went run for nothing and then a tackle for a loss on on Vaughn by Alex Anzalone. He kind of ran into his own man and then tried to go backwards to go forwards and got cleaned up. Third and 12, passed to Evans, went incomplete. Evans almost got it back, but then it was hit away, I think, by Cam Sutton, which was a really nice play. And they end up punting as well. A sort of nothing series of events in these next few possessions. Our next one, we went three and out. Uh, Aaron Rousen, so they punted to our four. Terrific punt by Kamada. And then... We end up in third and eight, and Amaras and Brown picks up six. His only third down catch that didn't go for a first down. We end up having to punt after that one. And then Tampa finally get on the board to tie it up at three apiece. Uh, White with some nice plays for eight, and then uh, a reception for 
for one. Why did I say nice plays? That wasn't a great play. Baker went deep to Trey Palmer to the 34-yard line in Detroit. Third and three, they get bailed out on a holding call on Will Harris. Though, actually, for me, the contact happened with the ball in the air, so we kind of got away with that one a little bit. It looked like DPI rather than holding to me. Um, and then Alexander Zaloni coming to play with a really nice uh, PBU. And then Baker to Tompkins almost got picked by Jerry. And, I mean, it was really quick reactions, but it was definitely there to be had by Jerry. Almost, almost got there. And then a 33-yard field goal, which flicked the post on the way through to go 3-3. Three to three. Boys, it's a kind of nothing stretch of plays here. Start off by a really nice PBU by Levante David. And then eventually Tampa go down the field. And not even a Will Harris penalty allows them to score a touchdown because the Lions defense is all over him. I'm kind of glad you mentioned... <laughs> about their offense looking about what Bevel used to do. Because I was sat there watching it thinking, where the hell have I seen this before? And then it dawned on me, I'm like, run, run, pass. And you know, like back in the days when you used to call the plays before they even happened, just with the audibles and that, it was like, oh shit, even I can do this at this point. Now I don't really focus on that. It was, it was very, very obvious what they're doing, which again, with their weapons and everything, you're like, why are you not been more diverse like you've got so many good receivers there. And that was the difference on the day. It's like, you know, we we use our guys, we mix the looks up. You use you don't just take big shots down the field to Godwin and Evans and that all the time, which you seem to be doing. It's like we have Amon Ra to cover the middle of the field, who again, like, how the hell did Amon Ra have a hundred yards? It's like he makes two catches, you feel, and you're like, oh my god, is it a hundred? When when did that happen? But you know, you have him sort of moving the sticks there for you. And then you've got Josh, who's having another good day. Then you've got J-Mo hitting downfield. And it's like, we just mixed it up so well. And that was the difference. And, and yeah, they were just, I I don't get it. I, I, must, I don't know if they did it in the other three games and it just worked, but it was pedestrian. As for us, I mean, you said it like the punter was their guy. The punter just kept putting us in awkward spots. And and when you blitz as heavy as they do, like when you're on your own four, you ain't got a chance in hell, really, especially when Monty's hurt and, and not doing and not doing great and your O-line's messed around. So it, it sort of if we'd have been in better situations, I feel we'd have been putting more points up. It's just their special teams were doing a really good number on us. But yeah, they were poor, like really, really poor. I think what happened was Canales saw that there were so many Detroit fans there and he thought, how can I get the crowd sort of unhappy and sort of silent? I know. Let me fall back to my guys, my old predecessor and mentor's ways. Because who was the OC when he first came up into the NFL from USA? Darryl Bevel. He was the wide receivers coach for Seattle from 2010 to 2017 when Bevel was OC. So he's just thought, thought, I know how to piss these Detroit Lions fans off. Let's remind them of the dark times. That will certainly work. And it flopped. Let's give them PTSD. That's what it'll yeah, do. Exactly. Just, just see all these Lions fans with their, their legs up, rocking around. Yeah, thousand yard stairs. Oh, please note Adrian Peterson up the gut again. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, why did you have to bring that up? I mean, <laughs> oh. The hey, thing is, it's a psychological Peterson. warfare. Adrian Peterson doesn't do that to me because at least he scored touchdowns. The one that does that to me is is um Blunt. Blunt, Blunt oh, did it so much or worse C- than Peterson. At least Peterson or CJ C- Anderson. Oh, or CJ Anderson. Oh, Anderson. Anderson barely played. 
all they needed to do to was like be third and one at like R40 and then like sorry, fourth and one at our own 40 and then bring out the punt unit and not trust a quarterback and watch him wander off the field miserable. That would have completed it all because that's what Patricia used to do all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's psychological warfare. Those crafty so-and-sos, that's what they were trying to do to us. Exactly. And they nearly got away with it death. if it were yeah, <laughs> and they nearly got away with it if it wasn't for those meddling lions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's worm our way through to the end of the first half and this is where the Lions really started to pull away but it did start unfortunately with a play action swing pass to Montgomery uh running back screen and Monty with blocks out in front went for like 25 yards up to the Detroit 45 but as part of the tackle he landed flush on the ball as I mentioned looked really winded although he walked off under his own power after uh lying on the ground for a good long time they brought out the cart for him he sent it back and Dare I say he looked okay when he was walking off. Both arms were swinging and yeah, but obviously it didn't work out that way. Great pass then on an in-breaking route to Josh Reynolds. Amon Russell Brown had a wide receiver screen for eight, but then it kind of broke down a little bit. Third and 13 comes and Amon Russell Brown catches it around the centre of the field, about 15 yards away from the uh, uh, the end zone. And he decides instead of trying to turn up field to get the first down, which would have been a failed conversion, by the way, he decides to pull out laterally to the right-hand side Picks up a great block by Josh Reynolds initially, who's on that side already, manages to give him a little bit of time. Enough time for Craig Reynolds, the human cannonball, to completely wreck a defender. And then Amara manages to toe-tap his way down the sideline. Definitely didn't touch it. Definitely, definitely didn't touch the sideline and it wasn't checked. Um, and went in for the score. PAT is good. 10-3 Lions. And then another few possessions go, and it's the end of the half. You know, Tampa in two-minute offense, third and five, Julian ends it with a bat down at the line, and then the Lions had one minute to go. Goff was sacked by Levante David, and we saw out the half. Boys, that play will be talked about for a long, long fucking time. Uh, Because, I mean, it wasn't just Craig, it was Josh as well. If Josh doesn't make his block, Craig doesn't have enough time to get to his block. But Craig came back from like 10, 15 yards deep to make that play. It was incredible. And then even with those plays, it wasn't a given Amon Ra was going to score that. He really had to get, you know, within inches of that line to get down the sideline. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea it was a touchdown. Like, until the graphic came up, it looked like he'd run out of play. I, I didn't actually know. You're like, oh, that's a great one. That is, we're at the two. And then it was like, how do you mean it's a touchdown? How the hell did he get it in there? I mean, it was such a narrow gap to get in. So I was completely fooled by that one. But, yeah, that's to say, the blocking is just amazing. That's what, that's what separates us from other teams, the lengths that the players are willing to go to to make those plays. Because, like, not many people are going to, sprint the amount Reynolds did to go they'd have just given up on the play and watched it happen he just sprints his ass downfield and absolutely sends some poor dude to the phantom zone who's probably (laughs) still there at this point um and it was just it was just a perfect representation of what this team is um it just works very hard for one another to make things happen and if you're going to go that extra yard to go kick someone's ass you'll you'll win so and and it was just the spark you needed like Sometimes with this offense, all it takes is one play and then, you know, it sparks into life. I'm thinking about, was it week two or three, where we had the big 
return for like 40 yards, we've done nothing. And then just one play and then things spark and things start coming into rhythm. And that was it for us. Like Monty with his big play, which was just such a shame. He got injured. It's like, you know, give with one hand and taketh away with another. Um, but they all stood up and they kept going and, and it was exactly the spot we needed. So, yeah, well, <laughs> well done, Amon Ra. He's crazy. And as I said on there, dude's a top 10 receiver in the NFL and I'm not ashamed to say that anymore. There are not 10 better receivers in the NFL than Amon Ra said, Brown. Fight me if you think there are. Yeah, well... Craig hit Jamal Dean so uh, so hard that he went back to being a character on Community. It was amazing. That's what you could see but on the stream. I was just sitting there for five minutes trying to cut up that exact block to put it in the Discord. Like, just amazing. And if hopefully with uh, the Angry Run segment that happened on Good Morning Football, that's featured on there because that's an angry run, not even for a run, that's for a block. You get an extra, like, plus five Tusnus rating for that, like, this was the uh, the Craig Reynolds revenge game. He was seeking more subscriptions to Hulu. He was promoting that streaming service after being upgraded from Netflix. It was just amazing. And um, yeah, that and the whole drive. Hopefully, Monty's good with his ribs. Hopefully, it's only for the buy because that dude. I know he's a bit. He, he's still underrated. I think a bit by PFF. He's only like the thirty third best running back by PFF grade. Despite being like one of the best, like force miss tackle forces, yards after contact, it's just oh, he this just is why it... you don't trust PFF. Yeah, they or don't Matthew. take every, they don't they don't take everything into account. Like anyone with eyes can see how important Monty is here. Like Swift couldn't have done this heavy sort of workload for us. Uh, Jamal Williams, sure as hell, couldn't have oh, done yeah. this heavy workload for us. He's he's much better than that. So coming in after the half at 10 to 3, the Lions get the ball and start off the second half fairly well, but ends very unsatisfactorily. Uh, third and four from the Detroit 30, lovely running back screen to Craig Reynolds, several blockers in front of him. He goes for 28. Drive then kind of stalls out a little bit, uh, especially second down and 10. Reynolds lost three yards, unfortunately, kind of pushes him to the edge of field goal range. Third and 13. Went deep to Sam Laporta. Great pass breakup by Carlton Davis. And then on 4th and 13 from the 34, Patterson went for a 52-yard field goal, which looked good when he first hit it, but the winds at Raymond James Stadium was quite strong and just blew it wide right, which is a real shame. Um, so, put Tampa in plus territory, and they absolutely capitalised, and it only took them six plays. It started off with a... Uh, short pass to Godwin for 23 yards. Evans went for 18. There was then a, an offensive pass interference call on Mike Evans. And I know that on the coverage, I don't know whether you caught this, Ant. They said, this one could go either way. The fuck are you watching? <laughs> the actual fuck are you watching? <laughs> like, Mike yeah. Evans, to a man who's looking at the ball, just barges him in the back, says, this one's mine. Like, What? And that absolutely killed them. Went from third and one to third and 11. Went incomplete. 36-yard field goal was good. 10 to six ball game. And what were they watching? Uh, not our game, very clearly. Um, I mean, it was like Tracy's hit, like later in, I think it was later in the game after this, where they go, oh my God, that's a flag. It's like, get the hell out of here. That's like one of the cleanest, most physical hits you're ever going to see. If you can't be a big boy, then go home. 
and uh, yeah, they they were they were some very scary. I think they try and be neutral on things like this, just like not to try not piss a fan base off. But in the end, you're like you just don't know what you're talking about. It was it was clearly clearly OPI, and you know it's like well done by the defender for getting in a position to make that happen. And and I loved that stop from the Lions. It's like you know in the red zone, you know twice the red zone defense was just so 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 good. You put them in that third and eleven sitch. Got to get it, you know, settle for a field goal after, you know, you've had a disappointing drive yourself. It was just, the defense was just on a different level this day. It's like, how many year, years, like, in a row were we worried about stuff like this? I actually felt quite comfy. Like, Cam Sutton played well. Jerry played so well. And these guys were just making play after play after play after play. And, and that's where the most dangerous in the red zone with all those guys. Because they're, like, all such technical guys who can get open get space and yet we didn't give them anything to the point where they're having to you know opi to try and get themselves some space so it was just really impressive and yeah those commentators don't know shit yeah like obviously i wasn't watching but seeing the replays it's quite clear evans just sees that the ball's coming he's like Sutton still keeps his eye on the ball i'm just gonna get him out the way just i know there's and says they're trying to be neutral but at the same time by trying to be neutral, you are going to piss a fan base off because you're clearly not watching the correct, like watching correctly, and it just it almost seems like bias. So yeah, of course it's fifty fifty, but on the clear thing like that, that's just giving the other team more credit. To say as you say with the Tracy hit, that was a lovely hit, pretty much the exact same for what he did on Watson in Green Bay that allowed um, Jerry's first interception. He's done it before, not defenseless receiver. It's playing the receiver as the ball's coming. That's allowed. Just allow it. I mean, I think the great quickest as a quick aside. I think this is the first game in human history where I don't think the refs made a single call that pissed yeah. me off. Yeah, we, we both yeah. said that on the call. Yeah, and <laughs> I was just like, I because that was two flags down. Flag for that, which you're thinking, oh god, this is going to be against us, and a flag on the Tracy here, which gets picked up. So. I thought they were tremendous in the way that they did it. Just as an aside, because I give them enough chip, so. Yeah, well done, refs. Yeah, yeah, we both said it at the end of the game. We said this is the cleanest game we've had since I can remember. It was it was very satisfying. But that Mike Evans play in particular, Cam Sutton basically played that like a Premier League defender trying to shepherd a ball out of play. He played the ball, he was facing the ball, and he made sure Mike Evans couldn't get it. I don't think Evans was purposely trying to shove him out the way. I think he was like, there's the ball, I'm going to go and get it. Ah, shit, there you are. Do you know what I mean? It was like Evans was trying to play the ball and didn't see our guy there. And because he, our guys, if if um, our man's eyes are on the receiver playing man, that's DPI. Because you've, you've, you've stopped uh, a man going for the ball when you're not playing it. So it's played absolutely perfectly because... With exactly the same play, you've got your head around, and it's in reverse now. So perfect, perfect, perfect technique. It just yeah, all game. I don't. I feel like that's the best cornerback performance we've had in like a half a decade, at least. Like from him all day. I mean, it was just absolutely days at least. Yeah, I don't think there's been a better performance at cornerback over an individual game than that. So I know we'll mention in a minute, but there was the one at the end where they tried to get the garbage time tutter on him, and he's just like, no, this ain't throwing on me. And it's like, he put more effort in when it didn't matter than nearly every starting corner for the Lions since Slay put in when it mattered in games. It's like, he's 
He's another under the radar, and I've no idea why. He's just having one of the best seasons of a corner going at the minute. So the Lions off the back of that field goal, it's a 10 to 6 ball game. And, you know, I mean, this could be death by field goals. I mean, in my head, I'm feeling comfortable, but then there's a little monkey on my shoulder whispering in my ear. If you don't know the monkey on your shoulder analogy, then apologies for that because it's a bit weird. But just whispering in my ear, what if they win 12-10 with another two field goals? Because it's like you, you you need to put some more points on the board. And boy, do the Lions do that. And with a drive which is fairly inconsequential to begin with, they proceed down the field with short passes, short runs, nothing much to write home about. You did have JMO getting a short completion for eight yards on second and nine, third and one. Try and go heavy set with Amon Rasen Brown on the playing in line, trying to block. And he's clearly with a hold. Like it was a very legit call. Sets us back 10 at that point. So it becomes third and 11 at our own 43. No problem. Third and 11. Well, I know I've got Khalif or Amon Rasen Brown. You can't cover them both. So 12 yards to Khalif and we move on. And first down and 10 goes by, second down and 10 goes by, but on third and 10 at the Tampa 45, recognises one-on-one on on a flood concept. You've got J-Mo running that deep post, uh, sorry, deep corner. And he actually runs it a bit shallower than I think you should. I think that if you're going to run a corner, maybe you should actually do that a bit sharper. But Goff chucks it up there and J-Mo just goes and gets it. The man, the defender's playing man. So he's no idea where the ball is. So JMO's free to make all the adjustments he wants to. Two or three adjustments in there to the ball. And to be fair, so is it Jamal Dean on coverage there? It was... I'm uh, double check it. I'm double checking. I think it But is. regardless, it's played terrifically well defensively. When JMO goes for the catch, the defender's got his hand in there, almost looked like the ball spills out, and JMO holds on to it. 45-yard touchdown, and the Lions kick the P18 and go up 17-6. The drive was unremarkable apart from those two plays. That one to Khalif to keep the drive going around midfield. And this was the third drive where we were facing third down in between our 43 and midfield. And the other two times we hadn't converted and punted. This time we get it done and it ends in the tutty. And for everyone who wants to doubt JMO, fuck you. Because he is going to do this. Like... The quality is there, and you just got to have a little patience for someone who just hasn't even had half the reps he meant to have in the first rookie season. And it's hard to call him a rookie because he legitimately isn't. Demonstrably, he is not, given how long he's left on his contracts. But the man works hard, puts the routes in, and he actually has got fairly good hands. It's just needs needs some snaps, needs some experience, and he'll get there. He will. And... Another seven points. It's what a legitimate speed threat does for you. Like, how many times in three and ten do they bring the field up a little bit, you know, sort of squeeze you, you know, they know where you're going to try and go. You're going to try and go for Amon Raw. You're going to try and go for Laporta or something like that in the middle. And then to have the legitimate speed threat to throw it deep means there's no coverage back there. Like, there's no extra help. And for J-Mo, it's a tremendous catch because he has to come back for it slightly. He comes around, he has to come back for it with the defender draped on him whilst he's diving back into the end zone. And he's got to maintain control of it. It's a hell of a catch. 
I mean, like all three passes to him on the day were a little bit were underthrown. Let's say that there was not one good pass to him like on the day, and he adjusted to them all. Got two of them, very impressive. Third one wasn't his fault, and it was like there is something there with him. But again, this is what it does: it opens that defense up, and I think this is where we started to have more success offensively. Like, oh shit, they are using JMO now. Goff can throw to JMO. Like, we've got to respect this now. And so this just opens up an entirely new level for us because, I mean, what, we were running at, what, two yards per carry on the day. It was poor. It was going nowhere. So how do you negate that? You stretch the field. Even in lieu of a running game, you stretch the field. And we saw the benefits of what he brings to the table there. And hopefully it's going to continue. I mean, he's got, what, two touchdown catches with, what, like four receptions now or something like that. It's it's not... Two in five, like it's it's pretty good ratio. Four percent, forty percent of your catches are touchdowns. Even if he's just used like that all year, defenses are going to have to back off now, and that's going to open up the run game and give it more opportunities and allow us to stay with it. So yeah, screw all his haters. He's not had that much time. He's only just come back from injury again. He's going to take time to adjust. People forget Amon Ra took half a season. To be just because he has hundred yard games every week now, they forget he took time to adapt to the system, learn his role, and then be a great player. JMO needs similar, and he will get there. He's now got over half a season to really go hammer and tong at this. And if he carries on in the form he's in, then Jesus, we're gonna be like we're gonna be the most dangerous offense in the NFL, period. Like no, no competition. I mean, yeah, so. I remember earlier when we coming out the half, Matt asked me, oh, yeah, what should we do to get more offensive production? What did I say? Attack those seams down the cover throw. What do we do with that deep post? Jemma runs it, sees that Neil's a bit uh, bit further back than he should be, so he adjusts the post. And Goff puts it pretty much on the money for him. As you say, he has to come back a bit, but that's a really good damn good throw to him. And Jemma catches it. We made those adjustments not only on defence, but also on offence. We saw, okay, yeah, they're, be, they're still using quite a lot of cover free. What can we do to target that? So we had that. The, the conversion to Khalif was really good as well. And to make it what's even more, well, the player before for me was remarkable as well, because that was only Amin Ra's second penalty in the league. He's been two and a half seasons. If you're averaging basically a penalty every half, season and a half, that's pretty damn good, especially from a receiver where you can easily get an illegal, like a sort of, holding or something like that in a play for him to be that good like I remember Danny Rogers during the game when that happened tweeting is this Amara's first to, uh, penalty ever and I had to sort of go back and say no he got one uh, uh, like an OPI back in Chicago when we were really down bad in the first like game against them like uh, it was but yeah it was just good we sort of put ourselves behind the sticks with that converted there was a the, uh, couple of plays before where we were on on our own like 34 Three, and then uh, yeah, 33, third and four, third, and our 33, we're like, oh yeah, oh, we're going to stall that here. And I'm goes for 11. We always, whenever we put ourselves in sort of in a disadvantage for something, we found a way on that drive. While Tampa were in those bits packages they really want to use on third down, we answered it by using the short game, attacking those seams on the cover three, and it works for a drive. So it's really good to see. And it really knocked the wind out of the sails of Tampa Bay. I mean, first play after that, Baker throws to Evans for 12, but then effectively go three and out after that. Vaughn for two, Vaughn for one, incomplete to Vaughn, punt. Terrific. You know, like that, that's exactly what you need. 
you know, late in the third quarter when you're up by 11. So Lions get the ball and what do they do? Nine plays, 53 yards, field goal, 14 point game. Terrific. So, I mean, you had had Goff scrambling, unfortunately. Oh no, illegal hands to the face on Tampa gives you another first down. Joe Tryon had a neutral zone infraction. They got him. It was a really nice hard count and Tryon just trying to, in desperation mode, I, I guess. And then first and five took advantage. Lovely pass to Amaras and Bamford, 23. Getting down towards the Tampa Bay red zone here, first and 10 at the 20. And then we kind of clam up again. And Craig Reynolds goes for two. A short pass to Amaras and Brown was incomplete. It was frustrating, unfortunately, at that sort of point. It was like we decided that they were a really good red zone defense and we wanted to do hard damage from outside it. Equally, three points here was invaluable for the rest of the game. So Riley Patterson hit this one for 36 yards, 20 to 6 Detroit. And then Tampa goes three and out again. Tompkins for no gain, Evans for eight, and then incomplete to Trey Palmer on third and two. And down 14 with 10, 11 minutes to go. They punt. And I feel like I was waving the right flag, to be quite honest. And then maybe the most impressive drive, certainly Discord liked this drive, ended in a punt for the Lions. They only went 40 yards, but it took 11 plays and they burnt almost seven minutes off the clock. You know, it was just staggering how they managed to move quite a short distance, very slowly, and maintained possession of the ball. Some of that was helped by a false start penalty by, by Decker early, but never mind. I mean, Amon Rasson-Brown was the person who got the ball the first three times on this drive. Reynolds managed to go for eight. St. Brown again. A Zigbo managed to get in on the action. He got eight um, on, a, on a run. Sam Laporta got back in the action. He kind of Went a bit anonymous for a while, Laporta. He had a few catches that were really well defended and actually ended up being past breakups. But he's, he got uh, a catch, like the second reception of the game, and then kind of comes back here late on third down. Um, ends up on the Tampa Bay 39 on third nine and actually end up getting a sack. Cancy on Goff for his first sack of his NFL career. And then fourth and 14 at the Tampa Bay 44. A punt to the Tampa Bay 2 down 14 you got four minutes left and you got to go 98 yards to even have a shot at a shot good luck and to be fair Tampa had a good shot at it 13 plays 69 yards went into their bag made some nice conversions fourth down four they went for it at their own 24 and they got it to Trey Palmer uh sorry to Chris Godwin for eight and then Trey Palmer for 26 and then to Godwin for 13 but then went three straight incompletions on second on no four straight incompletions sorry on first down and ten from the Detroit twenty nine to Tompkins to Palmer to Godwin and to Otten and that first one was to Tompkins for Cam Sutton and they turned it over on downs and then we ended up kneeling it out and I know that Ant mentioned this, the Sutton play earlier so I'm going to hand over to him to just talk through that. I mean, it was just so good because you thought it was a touchdown. The way they reacted, it was like a ball right in the breadbasket for him. 
and you're like, oh crap, they've got one. It doesn't matter. And then you just see this thing pop out and you're like, how in God's name has he managed to get round the back of him and hit that thing out? Because it's one thing wrapping your arm round. It's two, trying to get it out of his grasp. But Kate Norton is a tough man. And I imagine it's not very easy to dislodge the ball from his arms and to get the leverage and to get the power to hit it out. And like I say, to be still playing that hard at the end when it's really inconsequential in, in terms of what's going on just epitomizes this team like this was this was death by beating for us and you know i know it seemed maybe we clammed up a bit towards the end but sometimes you don't need to beat a team by 40 or 50 you don't need to go and really put the boot down on them i think this was very apparent from when we were up 17 to 6 that they weren't going to get two scores and they were playing stuff, and I think you're like, right, get to a situation, let's just grind them. Let's just grind and grind and grind. And we did it on offense. And we even did it on defense. You know, we we made them work for every single yard they got. No big 20-yard conversion, no time for them to get tempo. It was like, right, have a few yards. Now you've got another 80 to go. Have a few yards. Now you've got another 77 to go. And it was like, you just didn't give them anything. And that clock wears down. The pressure gets there. And you start seeing the throws. They're a little bit more errant. They're a little bit more pressured because he's feeling it. Um, so I love the kind of way we held this out. Because as I said, they were giving us a little bit of bother. And they were playing hard. So just play them at their own game. Make them work their ass off for it. And they couldn't. And I sort of agreed almost with the way that we did it. And then when you get up to 14 points, there's no way then. They've got to score twice. If they want to win, they've got to get a two-point conversion. You've got to risk that. Um, no, we just didn't give them a chance. We didn't let them breathe. We didn't give them anything. And it was it was just a perfect way to do it. And the offense stayed and killed enough clock. Didn't go three and out and keep giving them chances. Went back to the Vikings game last year when we did that and we lost it. This year it was just... Yeah, kill clock, kill the spirits, kill the game. Ash? Yeah. Oh, well, I was about the player I want to talk about, and Matt probably knows it because I called it in instantly, Jack Fox's helicopter punt at the end of that drive. Like, he was, he, as me and Matt have said a couple of times on the streams, he has been a bit down this past year, year and a half. But when we really needed him to put a play out of the bag, he does it. He sort of, instead of obviously punting the ball naturally, as you do sort of, want to say vertically, punts it horizontally. So he gets to spin. So it has the backspin to just come, uh, fall at the two and just spin and spin and spin. Doesn't go in for a touchback. And it pinned them deep. And it led to that drive where, yeah, we can sort of bend, don't break. If they want to hit a couple of big plays, it's fine because it's still got ages to go because we pinned them that deep. So on a day where Kamada obviously was their best offensive weapon, we ours when we really needed him to pull one out and sort of match him toe for toe, foot for foot kind of thing, he did it for us. So big up, big up our field position optimization specialist. And I mean, I gloss over it entirely, but in that final drive for Tampa Bay was that Tracy Walker hit that Ant mentioned earlier. And I mean, it, is the cleanest hit you ever see. The line between him being a defenseless receiver and just being a fair play receiver is thin, but he very clearly crosses it. He becomes a runner and Walker lays him out, doesn't hit him towards the head or neck area, just absolutely floors him. It's terrific. And that pass breakup by Sutton, I had to remind myself of it again because it's just so good. 
the ball is well thrown by Baker Mayfield and Devin Tompkins should be the first man there. But Sutton jumps it. And to be fair, Devin Tompkins prevents the interception. Like, it's not anywhere near him in the end. Sutton's there first, gets arms around the ball, and it's really lucky to not be a pick in the end zone. And if there's any player I want to get a pick, it's Sutton, because his player has been his play has been so good. And we know that he's not a flashy player who who makes ball production. That's not really his bag. So for him to get some ball production would be especially sweet, especially to end the game that way. Didn't happen, but really nice way to finish. I I agree with Ash, that helicopter punt by Jack was fantastic because it kind of bounced 10 or 15 yards in field and just spun out. It was great. It was like watching a a football, a a soccer football rather than a a football football. Um, But... but, that was the game. And just to run through some some game themes that I, I wrote down in my second watch through, at first of all, of course, the run game kind of stutters for both and made it one-dimensional for both sides. I mean, we knew that this was Tampa Bay's bag. We know that the Lions hadn't had a 100-yard game against them on the ground. And damn it, both teams really, really tried to run the ball. Tampa didn't stop all game. The Lions did move away from it a little bit in the second half, although Azigbo did have a couple of consequential runs later on, not for massive yardage, but converting first downs. It was a game where both teams had to throw the ball, boys, and and well done to the front seven for both teams because it was hard out there. It was gritty. Put to bed the stupid narrative that we're a run team. Like every if you listen to nationalized they're like, oh, this is a team who love to run the football, they all set it up with the run, yada yada yada. And yeah, we do. Every single team in the NFL wants to set up their offense with the run. It's just the way you do things. But at the end of the day, we can win without the run. We've shown it multiple times. Goff has shown multiple times that he can have those near 400 yard games. If he needs to, it's the first time this year he's really had to go hell for leather and do a lot of the work on the day, and he can do it. Why? Because we've got weapons at all levels, which we drafted, apparently, with bad drafters. You know, we have guys on the middle of the field. We have guys on the on the perimeter. We have deep threats. We can negate a day where we just are not able to run the ball. And like I say, when you're generally not running the ball well, it's because the defense is up and they're stacking the box on you. And we've got the weapons to deal with that. Tampa didn't take the hint. They kept on loading the box. They kept being aggressive. They kept trying to get to Goff thinking they were going to throw him off. That's on them for not adjusting to the situation. We just picked them off at will as we kept going on. So yeah, I just I'm just glad that it's killing this stupid ass narrative that we are a run team and that is it. Because we're not folks. We're very multidimensional when it comes to the offense. And if you're not gonna learn that, you're gonna suffer. Yeah, and it's but it's not just the weapons. I'm just looking at our pass blocking grades. Every single starter listed by PFF, so pays that started the first half, like the first play, all with a a, a, a above average pass blocking grade. And pretty much all our starting offensive line, aside from our seeker, above 75. The only player on our team who had anything below uh, below average pass blocking grade was Craig because he was in for free plays. He unfortunately gave up a sack and a QB hurry. Everyone else stood up to that uh, Bucks front seven who like to blitz a lot, who do get pressure on good teams. We stood up and we were able to deal blows to them. So that's something we can take forward because if we do have to face a 49ers, a Dallas, a Philly in the playoffs. We've got tape now that can kind of prove 
We know how to pass block against those kind of teams. We can handle pressure and deal blows when we need to. There's no bigger endorsement of how we played than we absolutely dominated possession. We were 13 minutes ahead of Tampa Bay and we couldn't run the ball. Like, most of the time, when it has to be a passing game, both teams get an equal amount of the ball because necessarily it's kind of hard to just get 10 yards every time and keep possession that way. But we bloody well did it. And we did it by being exceptionally good on third down. You know, our our percentage for the year is something like 35%, but we went nine of 16 on third down. And that that's the reason why we win this game, apart from what I'm going to come on to in a minute. But going fi- above 50% on third down is a great formula to win a game. Uh, going on to the next one, which is what I just alluded to, which is Lions winning the big moments of the game. Because we played well on offense, but not spectacularly well. We played well on defense and they did too. But the Lions had all the big moments. The interception was a big moment and we get out in front, put them behind the sticks a little bit. The Craig Reynolds block is a is a play that almost every team in the league doesn't have. Like, it just won't happen. You don't see people coming from 10 or 15 yards back to make that play, apart from maybe DK Metcalf trying to run down an interception. Yes, I still remember that one because it's an exceptional play. But that Reynolds block, that touchdown doesn't happen without him. And if we get a field goal there and make it 6-3, to three, it's an entirely different ball game. And then the JMO bomb. You take away those two touchdowns because... You know, J-Mo doesn't see the field because people gave up on him and we should trade him or whatever the stupid conversation was. You take out those two touchdowns and this is a tie ball game. Just pretty much is. especially Like, if Tampa don't feel like they have to go into desperation mode because they're so far back and they actually relax a little bit, maybe it doesn't end up this way. So three big moments all in favour of us. And... The thing is, it wasn't a surprise because we're just fundamentally a best football team that's better coached. Trenches win games. And all those three plays that you mentioned there are due to the trenches. The interception comes from the defensive line doing its job. You know, the touchdown, Amon Ross, comes from, well, not the offensive line necessarily, but the trench warfare on the lines from the receivers, the blocking, that ability to kick your ass. And then J-Mo's touchdown, them allowing Goff the time to be able to hit him downfield. You know, the pass protection, which we said was so great. Because we have the better trenches, it allows us to make those plays and for that to happen. So, yeah, I, it didn't surprise me. Going into last week, just looking at who they played and where they come unstuck, we're as good as that Eagles team and we have exactly the same strengths. Um, and, and we utilised that. It was our trenches that did this. The long sustained drives, keeping them on the field, keeping them contained. And... Ultimately, yeah, it's what has won this game. We are a much better team than them. And thankfully now we are a team that can go to teams who are not on our level and treat them like they're not on our level. And that's like the next evolution of this team is to do that. Keep going up to all these bang average teams and making them look bang average. Like, as Van says, coaching wins games. Todd Bowles is someone who's seen as a pretty damn good head coach. I was just saying to on the preview, he maybe had a rough to, uh, stick of things in New York with the offensive coordinators, but he's a damn good coach, especially defensively. And we, against a sort of veteran guy who is seen, who's respected around the league, 
us coming in who has had disrespect of our coaching staff the past couple of years, we outcoached them. To be fair, I can't really, except for maybe like maybe even the Seattle game, we've had pretty much outcoached every uh, the other opposing opposing team pretty much every single game this year. It's really good to see. And just the last thing I have is that our defense is legit, and we've talked about it already. But just to highlight it once again, Tampa had 251 total yards of offense in this game. They went two for 12 on third down and one for two on fourth down. They had no rushing first downs in this game. I mean, what what can you say more about this other than the complimentary football is is staggering? Because most of the time, we've only been good in one of those phases, if not, not even one. But they're backing it up in the run. They haven't had a m- very many sacks in, in recent games, but we're putting the quarterback under pressure. The cornerbacks are covering really well. Anzalone has absolutely come to life at linebacker and is getting past breakups here, there and everywhere. And the safeties are doing cleanup really well, or they're putting their hits down on people and making their presence felt. Like every single line of that defense, all three lines of it, front four linebackers and the DBs are all standing up and being counted and the depth guys and the depth to the depth guys, everyone to a man believes they, they believe they're good. It's the only way I can put it. And and I think that, you know, obviously it comes down to the players stepping up and, and doing that. But I think that the coaching is massive as well. And obviously Aaron Glenn, it's starting to work for him now. I think he's calling better games. You know, he's he's doing so much better. But then I think you've nailed it on all your positional groups now as well. You look at the DBs, how much more productive they are, how much more technically sound they are, just, just how much better we look in general. And I mean, this is without... Mosley and Gardner Johnson, everyone will go, well, look at all the assets he got in the offseason. Well, <laughs> he's lost two thirds of his key assets. He's doing this with the depth guys. He's doing this with guys who've been here before, who we've just drafted. And they look so much better. And John Scott, what a job he's done with the defensive lines. I mean, when Wash left last year, I, I kind of felt disappointed that he'd left. But now I look back on this and I'm thinking, actually, he did a really poor job here in the grand scheme of things. And I'm I'm kind of glad that he's gone. Because Scott has come in and in one off season, their ability to stop the run, you know, again, it's all down to technique. Technically, they are a lot more sound. They are not getting moved out of position. You're not getting those gaps down the middle of the lines carved out. They're winning these individual one-on-one battles. You know, the edge rushers look so much more potent. The looks they're bringing, it's the exact sort of moniker of what he did in college. Stop the run first, bring the pressure afterwards. And they've just been sensational appointments from us. And of course, you've got Kelvin in there, who we all love and adore. And the job he's done with the linebackers has been absolutely tremendous. So I just think man for man throughout the entire coaching staff, right now they've got the perfect guys for every single position. And those players are responding because they're finally getting utilized and coached on a one-to-one basis by the positional guys properly. So I, I, I love it. I love the job that's been done. And you know what, Aaron Glenn, kudos to you. Said this year had to be the year you made the leap and, and you're doing it. So well done. Yeah, so I'll quickly, because you mentioned Wash, and I was like, you know what, I want to look up some of the stats for that just to prove not how much, because he did do a decent job, obviously really helps Aiden come along, helps Aleem a bit. But looking right now, so obviously this is, it is up to date 
We have 20 more pressures than Carolina. Our less blitzes as well. So this is, a, he's got one of the best edge rushes in the league with Brian uh, Brian Burns. So in well, respects across the league, he's seen as one of the best ones in the league. Aiden's getting there now. But he, I think he is good for setting up a defensive lines. So obviously, he set up the Saxonville line when they made the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles at quarterbacks. We know he can do stuff, but he's good for those one or two years. And then you kind of have to find someone else to evolve because he gets stuck in that rut. And you agree, John, uh, John's got to come in. Uh, Leem's on fire. Levi, that guy's making plays. I know earlier in the chat yesterday, people saying, I keep seeing Aleem on the field. Aleem was the second least snapped player on the field, it turns out, on defence. So he's even making someone who everyone wrote off as a, re- as a even as a reclamation project. He's making him stand out. So they're standing up. Kelvin Shepard's doing a great job with the linebackers. AA's doing the things early in the game. He said, then Campbell, okay, Campbell in this game was having those few of those sort of Jared Davis uh, early career Derek Barnes moments where he was going 100 miles an hour on Ron Reed and not really using his instincts. But that's fine. Barnes is doing good. And Rodrigo, when he gets in on defence, he's still performing. Unfortunately, he didn't this week. He was just on special teams, but he's still a good linebacker. And then with Glenn and the secondary, Baduka and that, they're all playing well. It's all coming together. Well, last year it was kind of you had like one good performance from each uh like one unit of the defense. Now it's all playing in sync. The linebackers know they can go for the run fits because they trust the defensive line to open the gaps for them. They trust that the guys behind them are going to cover well. It's making everything just work in cohesion. It's great to see. And the I said on the uh, the end of the stream yesterday, we were saying if this could become a league average defense, we could make the playoffs. This is like a top five defense right now in the NFL. We have flipped from being like the worst to top five. And it's all because efforts coming together, we've got that talent finally growing into the roles they were drafted for. What's really funny about all of this is that even though we face Kansas City, that is is it's you have to say that that offense hasn't exactly been firing this year. You have a look at all of the opponents we've had this year. And none of the offences have ended up good. Did we do that? I don't think we did that to them. I think that's just happened. And you have a look at the rest of our schedule. I don't think there's any offences that are actually legitimately like game-breaking offences that actually really scare you. Anyone scared by Dallas? Chargers? No. Baltimore? Really? Like, they they can win in certain ways, but they aren't a, a San Francisco and a sort of, how do you cover all of these things? Like... Against San Francisco, yes, maybe we just have to roll out our backup quarterback and maybe we can win the game. I don't know. But we don't have any offences on our schedule which which make me think this defence is really going to be tested to its absolute limit. What it does mean is that we might end this regular season with one of the best defences we've ever had statistically, which is interesting in itself. But it worries me that when we get to the playoffs and actually play someone like San Francisco, that that's the real test and they won't have faced anyone like that in the regular season so we'll see but in order to gain the right to play in that game you actually have to beat the people you should beat and they're doing that and we haven't done that before so you can only give props where they're due you can only beat the people in front of you so that's what we're doing i don't want to put a downer on that that sounded like it was a downer on that and it it kind of was like i guess but Whatever. Uh, what was also remarkable is that was Hutchinson's worst game of the season, apparently. One pressure, 
on the game, whereas he hadn't had less than six before in this season. So, but we we identified it in the in the preview show. Strong in the tackles, weak in the interior. We were led in pressures by John Kaminsky and Benito Jones with four each. The pressure didn't really come from up front. Baker had a little bit in his face, but for the majority, the pocket was kind of collapsing in from all sides. He had to throw a bit in panicky, but no one was really doing it individually. And he just wasn't executing. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling, but never mind. But what I do have, boys, is I've got my box ready, and it's time to hand out the cigars and identify the subparts. So... Who do you want to identify for some praise this week, Anthony Fitzpatrick? Uh, it, it's Cam for me. Um, what he's done to this secondary is is amazing. And you finally feel safe against wide receiver ones now. Like for years, I haven't. I've been like, what the hell are they going to do to us? Now I know that I've got a game changer on the field. It was playing... I mean, I don't know what BFF says. I've not watched a lot of his career before he's got here, but I would assume playing some of the best football he's ever played. Because if he played much better than this in Pittsburgh for longer, there's no way they let him walk, like, at all. So he gets it. He just played with intensity all game, made some big, big, big plays. So he gets gets my praise this week. This, per PFF, is the third best season of his career so far. Oh, well, I don't care about that. He's just, playing. He's seconds. playing. He's playing bloody well. Is he is. When we had Pittsburgh say- UK on or whatever they're called, they were super disappointed that he'd gone. Like really upset. So I think that speaks volumes. Sorry, Ash. I was going to say, but technically, I'm a sec- I'm, count- I'm saying second because I'm not counting 2019 because that was his backup role. Like he played less snaps in that season than he has so far this season. Fair enough. But with the reason they set- let him walk is because obviously they've got the most expensive defense in the league. They just couldn't afford to pay him, and so like it's worked out so well for us. Like as you say, this is his, his best uh, grade against the run so far. His coverage is up there. Like, I know, yeah, okay, we're saying he's not really getting the PBUs and the inceptions that are flashy, but I think he said it last week. I'm happy him sort of being that sort of lockdown guy who doesn't really do the flashy things, but locks down his receiver. So then the person on the other side, Jerry, Kirby, all those kind of players, can then make those plays. He's sort of been solid, so they can build off that, knowing Cam's doing what he can over there. That gives us a bit more freedom to go make plays on the ball. And if we give up a big reception, it's fine, because at least... Cam's going to be there to mop it up. It gives us that freedom to really push and make those turnovers that's really that we've seen happening now. Ash, who do you want to give some love to? Who who deserves a nice long cigar? It's it's perhaps I'm probably I'm going off the beaten track again, like I usually do with these. But it's our seeker for someone to come in for Jonah. Kind of remember everyone was saying before the game, oh, yeah, maybe we'll move Glasgow over to left guard and put Vitae in at right guard. For him to come in, basically, unheralded by the fans almost. I remember me putting it in the group chat that he'd be starting and then there were some bad reactions. He played pretty damn well. I know he gave up the most pressures on the team, gave a sack, one hit and two horrors, but did well against uh, in run blocking. And he was just solid, which is what you want from someone coming in for injury relief. You don't. Didn't expect him to sort of go flashy like Graham has and lock down a role, but in one or two games, spot start, that's what you kind of want. So for him to sort of come in and do that, that he gets a cigar for me because you didn't really notice him, which is the best thing you can say about an offensive lineman. 
there's so many players to choose from and it feels almost glib to just pick one. And so I'm going to pick the one that I feel affected the game in the biggest way. And that's Craig Reynolds. That play absolutely changed the course of the game. So much so that it knocked the wind out their sails and it put wind in ours. And sometimes you need that inspiration from a player and sometimes it comes from the most unexpected of places. He wouldn't have been on the field if Demo hadn't gone out injured and maybe Demo doesn't make that play and then we only get three and suddenly maybe we're not here on Victory Monday. I still would have backed us, but it could end a very different way. And destroying a DB like that, I mean, it was almost uncalled for how how spectacular that play was. He deserves it. He absolutely does. And he deserves a shot of running back one just for a week. Like, let's get to the bye with what we have, get to the trade deadline and see what we can get, which we'll come on to in just a second. But Craig has earned the chance at more reps, especially given how he finished off the previous game, that one drive where he drove down the field all by himself for a touchdown in garbage time when they know you're running and he was able to do it. Now, obviously, we struggled with that this week, and he went 1.5 yards of carry, which is not exactly ideal, but he affected the game in a different way. He found a way to leave his mark and deserves a cigar. Anyone else you want to give an honourable mention to? I mean, most of them, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most of them. I'd, you know, it, it's a very short list who you wouldn't give them to. So, yeah, I think you've collectively got to say the whole team, really, um, for the performance they put in. It was a tough road fixture. They threw everything they had at you, and you kind of just absorbed it and punched them back twice as hard and beat them down. So, yeah, there are not many people I wouldn't give one to this week. All right, we're going to move on from this game to just briefly, because I know Ash has done a little bit of research on this point, to talk about running back replacements. Now, as we've talked about, and I've just said, I want Craig to have a run at it, but it's worth considering the idea that it might be worth bringing in someone with Gibbs out injured and with Monty maybe out for, I mean, God knows how long, could be two, could be six, seven weeks. I mean, we just don't know with ribs and it's it's sometimes not wise to speculate. So can anyone be brought in for free or cheaply in terms of trade capital? Ash, you've been having a look. What have you found? Not so much trade capital for me. It's more, as you say, the cheaply just sign them off practice squad slash free agency. The free agency one's obvious. I know that um, someone on Livewise literally just put out an article in the past half an hour and they had this player on as well with Jamar, who it turns out is eligible to return. Now he's injury settlement plus whatever weeks it is has passed. He's eligible to come back. This is him. Obviously, got Snell in the practice squad. You've got Leonard Fournette is out there. But the one I've highlighted at free agency is James Robinson. He's still only 24. He feels he should be older than that. But 20, he carried the load for Jaguars in that, his first year when um, Fournette went. And then when Etienne got injured. Didn't do so well in uh, new, the New York teams, but he's a damn good running back in spot starts. And then I've got 10 like sort of practice squatters who I expect Ant probably will weigh in a lot on these because they are kind of first, second, third year players. But 
So if he says no to any of them, I trust his expert opinion. So sort of the first one is, I've gone in sort of alphabetical order to the teams. Corey Clements from Arizona. You might remember him from the... Uh, I like it. He does decent for Philly. He's, he did, did it for decent for Philly and he was all right in preseason for Arizona. But he's a good returner. It's a good... Fine. No, he did, he's, I think he's got a career average like 4.6. And he's a bit... He's got kind of like that Dave Montgomery, like 5'11", five, five 210, 220-pound build, but fine. Um... This one, I'm, there's going to be some... Oh, God. Um, Dan's literally just said, uh, Montgomery has a cartilage issue and he'll be down a bit. Yeah. Don't know how long. So, yeah. Ugh. Right, definitely okay. definitely go into these then. The second one, familiar name to me, Deshaun Corbin from the Carolina practice squad. I know this guy a lot. He can do the David Montgomery things. He was the consistent running back for Florida State when we were having our bad years. He's decent. But then it's Dion Jackson who you might remember from Indianapolis, who played instead for Jonathan Taylor when he went down injured, under our running backs coach, Scotty Montgomery. So there's a connection there, so we might be able to get him off the Cleveland one. Snoop Connor from the Jacksonville practice squad, you might remember him playing against us earlier in the preseason. LeMichael Perrine from KC. Jarrett Patterson from the LA, Char- uh, LA Chargers. Sincere McCormack. Jake Funk. Dwayne McBride, and then just for the name a bit, but he also does have that build. Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. from Seattle. Sir Roderick. Um, Exactly. (laughs) uh, Just having a look at the potential late, uh, so the, the, the rentals that we could get out there. So I'm looking at UFAs for next season at the running back position. And my suggestion off the bat, which I shamelessly stole, actually, I have to admit, from the uh, Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, was Derek Henry. Derek Henry has been a rumoured trade candidate for the best part of like a season now, but he's in the last year of his deal. Uh, It's a $12.5 million deal. But I do think that a good portion of that has already elapsed. So he got... It's $10.5 million base salary. So if we got him at the trade deadline, there'd be half a season left. It would be a $5.25 million deal. So it's not small. But you have a look at how we like to run the ball. And he does fit us quite well, underrated. So if Tennessee decide at two and four, and they've got one more game before the bye, if they lose that and go two and five, that they're going to, you know, tear it up a bit. I mean, everyone knows looking at Tennessee that they're done. Tannehill's awful. Henry is not being as productive as you would like. That offensive line is pretty awful. Like, they're last in one of the worst divisions in football. They're worse than Houston. So, realistically, they could be looking to to get some assets. And I do think a fifth-round pick is going to be enough to get Derek Henry for someone. So... Why not us? The other people that that kind of stick out to me here that might be available, because there are some players out there that are available who are not leaving, like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler. But there are people like Dalvin Cook who are meant to be on the block. You know, Dalvin Cook is available. You know, the, the Jets aren't really using him. He's had 86 snaps so far, and he hasn't set the world alive. We know very well what Dalvin Cook can be. Um, Zeke Elliott, if we're really desperate. Uh, 
I mean, we're scraping the barrel, but the reason we're scraping the barrel is that Craig Reynolds is our running back one right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Devin Singletary, Boston Scott, Donta Foreman, who, I, I mean, I I really like Donta Foreman. And the Bears, <laughs> the Bears should be blowing it up, right? I mean, Fields is done. Fields with the dislocated finger, that could be the end of his career in Chicago. So they should be looking at getting the number one overall pick. Foreman for a, a, the sixth or something. Come on, let's do it. I mean, he destroyed us, didn't he? For Carolina last year, that was him, right? Yes, it, he yeah. was the yeah. He was the he did the Miles Sanders role with what they were supposed to do against us a couple of weeks ago. So there there are legitimate name players out there who can do a job for us. Is any of them sticking out for you guys? And I I, I anticipate you being a bit scathing on this, but I might might be wrong. Do it. <laughs> Do it, be scathing. I, I miss it. What am I going to be scathing on? I don't uh, the names. idea of a one-year short-term rental in a trade for an aspiring running back contract. See, the way I look at it, you you earn your opportunities on the field here in Detroit. You know, you earn your opportunity to play. For me, Craig has done that. You know, at least for this week. I'm going to give Craig his due there. I mean, I, we don't know how bad the injury to Jameer is. I mean, if Jameer's back soon as well, I am going to... Said, he said in the press conference he feels a lot better about Jameer being back this week. Same so with Mitchell and Branch. The best, the best thing for this franchise is for Jameer to get snaps. Now, if you're going to give Craig snaps because he's earned them, you're going to give Jameer snaps because you need him to develop and you want to get him out on the field. For me, all you need to do then is fill in that third running back role. You need to get a guy to come in and play behind them if you need them. Now, of course, I'm going to be an absolute homer and say, Jamar, bring him back. But for the reason is he's intimately familiar with our scheme. He knows exactly what's required of him here. And if you need to put him out there for snaps, he'll produce for you. So I'm not actually interested in doing this at all. I want to reward the guys here who've earned these opportunities to do so. Craig's earned the opportunity for snaps here. Jameer, I just want to play. And if Craig's running back one, you can ease Jameer back in so you're not risking him with injury. And in Jamar, you've got a back who knows exactly what he's doing here. And as we've seen, we just need a complimentary run game. Goff can hold this offense going forward you know, in the past game. So I'm not trading away anything. I'm not particularly interested. I I want to reward our guys instead. You do not surprise me one iota, but I'm here for it because it's the way we're built. Um, let's talk just a little bit to close out the show. And because we're going to be doing this, guys, we're going to go to Q&As afterwards. So if you've got questions in the live chat, make sure to add the channel and we'll talk about that. After the audio pod has finished, me and Ash spoke about this a little bit at the end of the show yesterday. But, Ant, what a weekend of football for the Detroit Lions in games not featuring us. You had big losses by Seattle, by Atlanta, by uh, San Francisco, by the Saints, by... Uh, Philadelphia, and then we've got Dallas coming up away against the Chargers in a game which I really think LA should win. And if LA do win, it's potentially the most transformative week we could have had because basically everyone in the NFC who could be competing with the Lions for playoff seeding 
lost and we find ourselves joint top of the league. Yeah, we, we are legitimately in the conversation for the number one seed now and, and we have a legitimate reason to be able to be so. Because, I mean, you think of all the injuries we've had as well and we're still... God, we've got one of the worst injury bugs in the NFL at the minute. Missing key players all over, and yet we're still winning games. And we're winning games dominantly. I mean, you look at teams like the Eagles, they're not winning games dominantly. They are struggling. And now the 49ers have been found out. Brock Purdy's getting found out. If that scheme doesn't protect the quarterback and the quarterback has to start actually doing some heavy lifting, he's vulnerable. So I agree. But the weekend, the football was really good. I I hope you enjoyed your day down in London by the way, but I must say, for me, that game was absolutely awful um, because of the Titans. Um, The Titans need to be banned from England and never come back until they're a good team again, which could take some time. It was an awful game. I do not fear the Ravens in the slightest coming into this weekend, coming up after what I saw from them. And it's a shame that we got those aged, rotten Titans wheeled out for us here in the UK. But then outside of that, Mentioned the Saints. I'm so impressed with the Texans this year. Mm. Where they've come from and what they're doing, and Stroud as well. Like, <laughs> because the knock I always had on him was was his receiving core at Ohio State. It's amazing. It's got like four first round picks in there, what he had to throw at. He's gone to Texans and he's throwing to a milkman and a computer salesman. And he's still really performing. He's got that Texans team going. And I know the Saints are frauds, but for a team like the Texans, it's still a big scalp. And I mean, what are they at? They're at like three, three and three, I think, already, which for them, big, big jump in form going forward. So love that. But then they say outside of that, just so many teams standing up. The Jets, (laughs) I know not many people like Zach Wilson, and I've gone on my way out of this, but how the criticism evolved into abuse with him and the mental anguish. You could see he was going through. He was not in a good place. So it was like Goff when he came here. And I mentioned this. I got a lot of criticism for it. I see similarities between the two. I'm glad they're winning with him. And I'm glad that they look good and that he looks at least serviceable and is moving that team forward. That's a really impressive win over the Eagles. If I'm not wrong, the Eagles were fairly big early. They had to come from behind in that one. Were they were they fourteen nil up? They uh think so. I'm getting. I think they were, I think they were two scores up. But for the Jets to be able to come back and win that, I know it's based on the defense and how it plays. But he's doing well. well I was fourteen just fourteen three. Oh, that was it. So you're coming from eleven down against an Eagles team, which is which is like stacked in the trenches. That's the hardest game to win when you're playing from behind against a team like that. For them to do it, really really impressive. Love love that. And there were so many other great games in there, but. Can I just say the Bills are massive frauds. I watched last night and they are rubbish. And they're not going to be a threat in the AFC this year. They're lucky they're four and two. They should be three and three. They are a really bad team who are regressing, who've missed their window. Um outside of that, yeah, it was just it was terrific. A lot of low scorers in this game. I feel like only six or seven teams got above 20 points this week. Because I mean, like, I don't think the Bengals One. the Bengals games there weren't any. The Browns, there weren't any. I mean, we kept the books to six. Like the Bills game, there was no one over 20. 11 you know, so far. 11. 11 yeah. teams didn't score over 20. And no, 11 t- did. Oh, 11 yeah. did. Yeah, so only two Jets. above 30, though. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, 
for an offensive league, I mean, defense has come into play at this moment in time. I don't know whether it speaks to how bad some offenses are on here, but it's fun. I, I enjoy some of these low scoring one for the purest type things. Um, it's just, I think it's offensive. I don't know what it is. What is it? I think it's offensive lines. There seem to be a load of banged up offensive lines yeah. that are really strong. And there seems to be a real talent deficiency in offensive lines at the moment. And with this draft coming up the way that it is, I think you are going to see a lot of teams clamoring for the top offensive line prospects this year. You're going to see bidding wars like you've never seen before because so many teams, I mean, like the Giants wheeled out armchair guy yesterday. And I thought um, he was just in pew. Just in pew. And actually, after the first few snaps, because there was one where I think it was Von Miller just like literally walked past him and you're like, oh, dear God, that's awful. But he's actually pretty decent after that. But the standard of offensive line is down at the minute, which is why I'm absolutely loath to let Jonah hit the market. It's like, do not get rid of good guys whilst you've got them. I know he's going to command a fortune, but he's being worth it. Keep him, pay him. Yeah. So um, to go back to the Jets game, obviously I've got, well, my, one of my best friends at school was a Jets fan and he's been getting back into NFL after being out for a while. So I text him after the win. I was like, now that's a win. Thank you for making the Lions joint top in the NFL. Life and face. He says, Brother, my mind is blown. Every week, any commentator was Zach Wilson sucks. We can't be inspired him, etc. And somehow this team beat the defending NFC champs with like exclusively defense. Crazy that's even possible. Lions best offense in the NFL, Jets best defense. Like they really did us a favor. And they did it, as I said on the, the stream, they did it without their top two corners. Source was out with a concussion. I think DJ Reed has a hip injury or something. So they were down that and they still played plays. I can't remember watching. Jamal Jeff, uh, Jim, Jermaine Johnson getting pressure, which I loved anyway, and that forces a turnover from Hurt, and then they run it in. I remember celebrating, and my Matt, Matt was like, "Nah, they shouldn't have done it that quickly." It worked. This uh, was a crazy. This was a sicko's week to quote like the meme. It was a sicko's week, but still, I, the one of the games I actually really enjoyed watching was the Jags Colts one in the early window. I really enjoyed watching that. Oh, the Jags pissed me off. Because uh, I had Etienne in my fantasy team and he had two touchdowns early. They're in front by Miles. It's like, keep running him. Running they kept ball. passing the damn <laughs> exactly. ball and going three and out. And I'm there like, I need fantasy points. And they stopped doing it. And it really pissed me off. But I agree with you, Ash. That saying, they didn't get those points too quick in the Jets game. I'm one of those. Get the points on the board. If your defense can't stop them within two minutes with a timeout left, then you don't deserve to win a game of football. Go and get the points. So the commentator's like, oh, well, no, we should have done this. It's better. It's like, shut up. Like, just, just shut up. Like, get the points. That's what wins your games. Trust I, enjoyed, I enjoyed watching Seattle-Cincinnati, and that was a bit of a sick-ass game to like, but I really like defence. Defence is what really excites me. I'm probably one of the few people that really likes the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl because <laughs> I'm a oh, complete God. mental head case. But defence is exciting when it's done right, and Seattle drove into the red zone. I'm trying to remember the stats five times and went two field goals, two interceptions and a turn uh, no, one interception and then a turn two turnovers on downs. And Cincinnati just absolutely showed up on defense for the first time this season. It was great to watch. Gino hung in the pocket until he got sacked so many times in the red zone against a defense that has been poor so far this year. And Cincinnati have signs of life. You know, they've had basically no a quarterback 
a shadow of himself because he's injured. And they're coming out of it three and three in a division that is far more competitive than anyone thought because Pittsburgh are worse than anyone thought, but are somehow still in it. The Ravens are leading the division, but don't look good for it. Uh, uh, Mention the Bengals, they're very much in it. Steelers. Steelers, yeah. They... They're somehow there. Yeah, like, it's well, yeah. fun. It's a fun division it's... of absolute frauds, and I'm here for it. <laughs> exactly. Well, proof for your sickos things. I'm looking at the, uh, the, uh, the, the sort of play-by-play. After their touchdowns, the drives literally went punt, punt, field goal, punt, end of half, interception, interception, punt, field goal, punt, interception, field goal, punt, punt, turnover and downs, punt, turnover and downs, end of game. That is a truly... <laughs> that is that like Iowa, a, that's, that that's like an Iowa football I... game. Oh, he, beat we both it. he beat he beat he beat me beat me to it. That's an average <laughs> Iowa game, that is. But uh, yeah, and this is and this is and the thing with that Bengals and this is what I'm gonna say in the preview this week with the Ravens game. Everyone bitches about us and our Chiefs wing going, Oh, they had no Kelsey, but they beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow on one leg. That's like their only good that's their only win against a good team this year. It's like that is just as big an asterisk win as ours over the Chiefs. That is it's a bigger them. one. Not, it's a yeah. much bigger one. You've got a QB who can't run behind an offensive line that at best is questionable, and it's like you you just beat them. It's like you'd have had your ass handed to you on that day, and that's why I look at that three and three, and I don't I don't fear anything about it. It's a sickos league, Um, exactly. Like like they they win over the uh, the Browns. It was DTR at quarterback for the Browns. Like, (sighs) yeah, the, the 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 biggest asterisk wins in there. There's a couple of others I want to quickly mention. One, can we mention how much Arthur Smith looks like a 1920s RAF pilot? Because, <laughs> you know, like the big guys who, like, flew by. Never mind that. Is he not you know, the do, do you know the guy expects the... every man that will do his duty poster man? Yeah, do you remember in The oh. Mummy? Do you remember in The Mummy, that guy who flies the biplane for them, Captain Winston? He yes. looks like him. He's got the Captain Winston moustache and looks exact. That's why, that's what I thought of. I'm like... Looks like the guy out the mummy. He's an RAF pilot from the twenties or the tens or whenever I, I it want was. You do the Photoshop. I want you to do it now. We'll 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 do the Photoshop. We'll put it up. But um, yeah, there yeah. was that the Falcons. His play calling is absolutely atrocious. Like he's might be one of the worst play callers in the NFL. They shouldn't have lost that game against the Commanders, uh, but they did because his play calling is absolutely awful. And then the other one. Are we not going to talk about the toilet bowl in our own conference? How no. please no. funny! Please no. How funny it, was that to watch? Did you watch any of it? I, I no, watched it because I'm a sicko. No. no, so um, what what was I? I was doing something. I obviously because funny thing about this it was it was also a matchup of mine and Matt's fancy quarterbacks who were facing each other in the Roar of the Lions game this uh league this week. I see Fields like dislocates his thumb and he's going to be out for a while. So I'm waiver wise scrounging now because I had Anthony Richardson's on IR. So I was like, oh God, well done, Matt. You've won you've won the thing. I look, he's got Kirk Cousin, who, despite playing the whole game, only scores two more points than Justin Fields. Like that was a sh- <laughs> Yeah. Fields got sort of like 4.9 points. Cousins was at like 6.3. It was truly horrendous. And I but the sad thing is, because I said it to Matt as the uh, stream opened, because it just has ended. I looked at Tanker Fund's like predictive mock draft, and oh my god, if that comes true for our division. Me and you are going to be both upset, Max. It's some of uh, and cause it's going to be some of our favorite guys because Verse goes to Minnesota at seven, and then Newton, the uh, Illinois D tackle, goes to Green Bay at nine. That's like two of our favorite players from this draft class gone. Oh, that's suck balls. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> why do they want? Why do they want him? They've got they've got Kenny Clark and can, what's his face, Georgia dude, Devontae Wyatt. They don't yeah. need Jazane Newton. Leave leave him for us. I think because they want. I think because they uh, they see him as you can move Kenny. Could Clark you imagine? Could you imagine who? Sorry. If... <laughs> hey, that's my that's my thing now. Could you imagine if we traded up to get him over the Packers? That would be funny. That'd be hilarious. I watch Tom Grossi blow a cap. Blow his, blow I mean, I'll be sad as well because I'm seeing now Dallas gets uh, gets Keon at 22. That would make me cry. I mean, he's going he's going higher than he's going higher than that in a lot now. I mean, it's like almost second receiver taken in the draft now. But they they are awful. That 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 game was a travesty. And after three quarters, even me, who's a complete sicko, is like, no, I'm out. When Tyson <laughs> Bajent comes in, I'm like, I'm done. Tyson Bajent against Kirk Chains. Like no, it's it's not happening. Those it would not surprise me if neither of those two teams won a game again this season, apart from obviously when they play each other in the rematch. Oh, um, they can draw, right? They can tie it, and that would be good for we, Ryan. But we can only they, they they were atrocious. But in terms of it was a really it was a really good weekend. It was it was a lot of fun, and you just don't know at the minute, do you? With everyone losing. You just don't know at this minute in time. Like, I couldn't give you a playoff bracket. I couldn't even begin to guess like what the seeding would be. But it for either, like for the NFC, you're like, oh, it would have been Eagles, Lions, 49ers. Now you're like, mm, is it? Is it? It probably will well, be, but I think don't the Eagles and Niners play one another about, this year? I was about to say, yeah, yeah the one of them is guaranteed to get, at least get one more loss on their record because you have to play each other week 12. Uh, really, we would want the Eagles to win that because they've got the hardest stretch by far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I San Francisco to, got easy stretch apart from that. Sorry. I still I still want to live in the world where we're third seed at home to the Falcons. I like I I, I kind of want to live oh. in that world, but I guess that's that that's not going to be happening this week. It'll be. Against... I guess it doesn't count as a playoff win if we have a bye. I mean, <laughs> but we can say we got to a an NFC, well, a conference, a division, not a conference, a conference game, game. Yeah. divisional game, first time since nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I stand by what I say though. We're making the conference championship. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm all the way there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I do. We're the, I do we, as well. we are the team playing the best football in the conference right now. Thing is, yes. I think we've got yeah the most complimentary football, and I I think we've got the best depth maybe to our roster. I mean, like if you take Debo and CMC out that forty nine ers lineup, they're they're dead. Like they're like dead in the water. We've lost Amon Ra this year. Like we've not had JMO this year. You know, we've lost Gibbs, we've lost Monty, and we're still winning games. It's like we don't rely on one or two players to make this team good. We are a big unit. Like this week, JMO took on the workload this week, whereas Khalif had a bit of a quieter day, you know, and Laporta had a bit of a quiet day. Does it matter? No, because other guys will stand up, and maybe next week Laporta will have a big day, and Amara will have a quiet one, and... It, it, that's what I mean. You've got so many guys to pick up the slack and keep getting really good production. I don't think any of these other teams at the top have that to what we do, which is like, which is huge. Only thing that can derail us now is an injury to golf. Oh, are we really going to end it on that? 
We've got one question. Let's address no, that Bears, before that becomes Bears, the ends of it. No, the Bears are going to have the top two picks in the draft, and they suck big time. And they're yes. still going to be worse than us, even after those top two picks. Yes, they will. We've got one question, so we're going to... Sorry. I, I was just going very quickly. If Fields is buggered, what do they do? Because they, you know, the fans love him, but if he doesn't play again, they're going to have to make the decision to trade him or draft somebody. Yeah, they'll have to draft I mean, somebody. They're, they're, you can't trade out the number one pick again, I don't think. Not with Caleb Williams there. And not with, and again, it's going to be the hot take, but at the same time, it's been backed up by others with how good Drake's looking. Like, yeah, every every week, my take that I'd, how I'd take Drake May over Caleb Williams looks a tiny bit better. I, yeah. I don't know why it became a one two thing. It's a one A, one B, and it always has Thank been. Thank you. It it's just, you know, Williams is on a more he's he's on a higher profile team, a fraudulent team who I was absolutely delighted got out of this weekend. Like they were the biggest frauds in college football, full stop. And they've now been outed. And they're probably gonna lose two or three games this year. He ain't going to the playoffs. He ain't getting his he ain't getting his Heisman, I don't think. Because he's not that. He's he's not as... It, the gap is not there to Drake. Exactly. Drake is having a low-key good season. Drake is now the only challenger to Florida State in the ACC. Like, oh, it's going to be Penix, isn't it? It is. I was about to say I mean, Penix I'm, is my pick right now. No, I mean in the ACC. He's the only challenge to yeah. them. But sure, after, sure, sure. But for I mean, I'm sure, you know, because Ash wants this to be right, that Drake is better than um, Williams. If it means Drake having 400 yards on Florida State in the title game and then losing it, I'm sure you would. Oh no! Except that for the team, I can see the 400 <laughs> yards happening because our secondary. Like, I know we're going off really off track here, but our secondary dog shit right now. Like our defense is not playing too well. Like I know we already held Syracuse to three points, but that's more on Syracuse than us. I that want to shoot out. I want. Mm. I want that shootout in the title game. I want just Drake May, Jordan. Tra- I don't want Jay Trav just to show up, at least show out against May and show he can mm. do the passing. All right, a quick question: Who would take Fields? Where do you where, where where does Fields go when they get rid of him? Us as a Taysom Hill kind of role. <laughs> <laughs> the Saints. Did he was like? Didn't they say that Taysom like led the league in? Uh, led the team in receptions and targets and that the other day. That's how bad things are at the Saints. Uh, They've got a larvae and they just targeted Taysom Hill all game. <laughs> yeah, they were awful. They were so bad. Um, it, uh, Justin Fields goes to San Francisco. Ooh. Oh, I like I that call. I, I, I do, but at the same time, can I see Shanahan making the same kind of mistake again that he did with Lance? I think he's... Happy. Yeah. Think, For the cost of a fifth be- or sixth round pick. Because that's what he's going to be worth. Purd, true, but Purd, like, Purdy's doing so well in that system. I think he's going to settle into the sort of Purdy, Jimmy kind of tier. I can I'm, see. Hey, I, I ain't saying Phil's going to be quarterback one. He's going to be two yeah. behind him. He's going to be Ooh. the Trey Lance who comes in for <coughs> goal line sets and can run it in. He's a much better Trey Lance than Trey Lance is because he's actually got some bulk to him. He can be the Wildcat running back. Do you reckon the Jets would go for him? No, I was I was considering nah, saying Avod's going to try and come back next year and then flame out, and then they're going to try and come back this season. Happen. Where would he end up? I feel like he might end up somewhere like that. I think the Falcons might have a go at him if they don't like Ridder much longer because they can win that conference this year. 
Yeah. Uh, it it depends if they trade it during the season. Ooh, what would they do? They've got Malik Cunningham now. They've signed him for three years. Don't need a running quarterback now with him there. Yeah. Um, oh, Tennessee. Because it is Malik a question, though, isn't in. it? Because, like Matt says, if you get to the offseason and then you're like, we're going to trade him, well, it's like, well, you're taking one in the draft. We ain't going to pay you note for him because you clearly don't want him. Yeah, so his, his value is going to go down. His value is most now. So if he's going to be out four or five weeks, surely you would try and ship him before the deadline so for a team can have him back later in the year. Surely you got to do that. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't know if he'll be healthy by then. Because supposedly the injury is going to is doubtful at least for this week, and it's not one of those where it might hold him out for like a month or two because it's all to do with like the swelling and the ligaments. Yeah, I, I I think realistically it's going to be an off-season trade now for him. He's not going to be healthy, unfortunately. We were talking about college quarterbacks. Dan wants to ask about Shadur Sanders. Uh, he's really Next good. He, uh, he is eligible this year, yeah. but I I don't know with what's going on with Colorado at the minute whether he will or not. That he should Colorado, stay. That Colorado, he, should exactly. he, he should transfer to like Alabama or somewhere like that when the season's done. He should get his dad's shackles off him. So I tell you what, there's a really nasty stink about that team now. They've gone from disrespected team using it as fuel to being really arrogant, really unsafe. This, the stuff they've done, like Travis Hunter is so up his own arse at the minute. Like the mistakes he's making on the field is like he needs to get away from that environment. But he, he'd be, yeah, he'd be a running back. Oh, come home. Would you have him <laughs> back? I mean, I guess you would, but it, it was a bit of an insult when he flipped. Something. It was, so. but well, as well as you said, because obviously Johnny's going, Keon's going. Yeah. One of I think Cyprus is out of eligibility at the end of this year, even though he's not been what he was supposed to be. I don't know. Yeah. So we won't we'll need him. I think Shadow's like going on his name. He might be QB3 this year, but. Should he be? Probably no. not. Uh, probably, JJ, probably I think not. JJ will probably be ahead of him, and yeah. I hate saying it, but I think yeah. he will be. I, want, I tell you what, the one thing I want to come true, everyone's saying the Vikings are going to be drafting fifth or sixth. Take JJ there. I will laugh for the rest of the year if you take him at that point. He's he's good, but he's not proven it against top-level opposition yet. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to get the chance to, but <laughs> no. Not a top 10 pick. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to finish getting a bit more on topic on NFL just with Darth Tater who asks, and it's a bit of a preview for Thursday, but let's just keep it short and sweet. How confident do you guys feel about the Ravens? What, about them, the team, or the game? About and our chances, the Ravens, our chances. Oh, I don't fear them at all. I'm in the books boat where I think we're a better... T- I think the trouble is their offense is a lot more varied than what the books are going to throw at you. So you, you are going to have to dig into your bag of tricks a little bit more. But, you know, two and a half point favorites at home, that line would have been eight or nine at the start of the year. Even Vegas doesn't believe in them against us because what you say about three points for home advantage. Yeah. So technically... We're a tiny favourite for this, which tells you everything. I don't fear them. I respect them, but I don't fear them, just like the books. What does a Raven have in common with a writing desk? Neither of them can stand up to our offence and defence. Oh, 
Ash. That um, wasn't. I'm not. Um, I'm not um, angry. I'm just it? disappointed. And oh on. wow! Yes. Okay. Is it the return? Hang on. Where are we? I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do this the old-fashioned way. Um, where is it? Just, 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 just carry on a minute. I'll, I'll find it. Oh, we can't take that long to find ret- it, Anne. It's, it's, it's the return. It, it's, it's gone back. Like I uploaded it ages ago, and I've used it so many times, but I've not used it on my phone. But it is. I took it with this phone. You can come back to me in a minute. Oh, if we got, if we got, if we, if we got a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about the Ravens because I was there. Um, Lamar Jackson, the design runs didn't work. He doesn't look the same player he did four years ago on the ground for me. He just seems to lack a little bit of a spark, and he clearly has improved with his arm. His passing is a lot better than it used to be. Some nice throws to Mark Andrews and whatever, and actually. The receivers did better than expected, I think, Baltimore. It was a reasonable game by... Uh, Odell had a bad drop, but um, Bateman had a nice catch and whatever. And then Duvernay had a really nice return towards the end of the game. Go on, Ant, do it. It's overexposed, you can't see it. Uh, yeah, no. but we, we know... That, that is. is the disapproving look of Mike McDaniel. <laughs> that yeah. that that is oh hello so that I, I will say this for the ravens their run defense was very good derrick henry got nothing and the other running back who i forget the name of Tyjo spears thank you very much had very little but it wasn't like tennessee didn't have their opportunities and just missed them i mean Tannehill was awful. And then the play calling was bad too on both sides. Ravens and Tennessee. They it was unimaginative and uneventful. It was it was disappointing. And the biggest thing about it was the number of Ravens fans in the stadium was was incredible. So they they traveled very well and and they must be applauded for that. But nothing about them gives me fear. They're going to shut down our run, probably. It's going to be a very similar game to this Sunday just gone. But Goff has deserved the belief by now, and our defence will hang with theirs. So no fear. No fear at all. We like playing away. Well, as Dan says in the press conference earlier, we don't play away. They're just long-distance home games. Yeah, we're going to travel well again. I can see it. We're going to dominate. It's going to be terrific. Right. With that said, we're going to end the show there. Uh, Brent has just asked how good Ravens' defense is this year. Um, okay. Actually, yes, let's sir. let's con- this this is this is previewing Thursday before Thursday. I think. Brent, I'm going to defer your question to Thursday's show because that is getting into the nitty gritty of it instead of the high level. So come back on Thursday and we'll talk about exactly what we've seen on film from the Ravens. But for now, I'll talk to you about our next episode, which on the main podcast is Thursday afternoon US time. So it's going to be 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, not 2.30, but 3.30 because... The College Football Podcast is going to be just a couple of hours before at half past one 
Eastern time. So you need to get clued up for the draft. It's in Detroit. Go and watch the College Football Podcast at half past one Eastern time. Of course, then myself and Ash will be on the call for the live reaction show on Sunday. Uh, and then we're going to be rolling into the previews for Monday Night Football against the Raiders at home. That will, of course, be a different schedule to normal because it's a Monday night game and there's no point in previewing that on a Thursday. So keep your eyes and ears out for exactly when those shows are going to happen. But uh, don't forget to follow us on our socials, Royal Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the group of worldwide fans, Detroit Lions UK, one pro worldwide, and the website, rotouk.com where you can find the preview and review articles and some opinion pieces. Good stuff there. Lots of people have been subscribing recently on there, which has been really great. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on the YouTube and Twitch as well, which always helps us out very, very much. Just remains for me to thank Ant and Ash for doing this with me. I'm Matthew Turner, and we leave you with the news that the Detroit Lions are the number one team in the NFL Fuck the national media. We're here to stay. Let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride. Follow the TikTok. (laughs) 